So this morning, um, I, we're going to do a little bit of back and forth to start. So you probably didn't expect a pop quiz when you came here, but we're going to have a pop quiz. So there are certain situations that will happen, and they require a proper response. And if you don't respond properly to certain situations, then something bad could happen. Something dangerous could happen, okay? So here, here's number one. What would the proper response be if this room caught on fire right now? Stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> Exit the building. If the building is catching on fire and the building is falling down, stopping, dropping, and rolling will do nothing. <laughs> yes, if you are on fire, you stop, drop, and roll. But if the building is on fire, what should you do? Exit. Exit the building. Point to the nearest exits of this room. Point. Point to the exits. There, you see the exit signs? That's what those are for, to show you the exits. You need to get out. All right, now look. Let's say, uh, let's say that you're on a boat, and the boat starts to sink. What's the proper response? Grab a life jacket. Grab a life jacket. Grab a raft. Grab something, because you're going to be stuck in the water, and... Uh, Grab something that can float, even if you can swim. What? Call the Coast Guard with your phone that's now ruined because you fell into the water. Stay on the boat. The boat is sinking. Was that a flare? The flare? Kevin says shoot a flare up. All right, okay. Last one, last one, last one. Listen closely, listen closely. So, um, I was... I was looking for trails to hike around here, and I, I went on this app called All Trails, and I was like reading stuff about it, and I went to one trail that looked really great, but then I saw this sign. Someone had literally taken a picture of a sign from a trail around here, and it said, beware of mountain lions. Your safety is not guaranteed. You could die. <laughs> so I said to myself, not going to that trail. But does anybody know what's the proper response if you come across a mountain lion on a hike? What are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? Get big and tall and like scream at it? Make noise? What are you supposed to do? Put an object like another person? <laughs> you have to just run faster? What do you do? What do you do? You, you stop, drop, and roll. Oh, man. That's funny. Okay, well, some of you guys get an A, but you stop dropping rollers, you failed. You get an F. You would not be safe. All right, I want you guys to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 13. And, and Jesus, in this parable of the sower, or also known as the parable of the four soils, he talks about different ways that you can respond to the good news of Jesus. And he talks about three bad responses and one, the only true and good response. There are many ways that you can respond to the good news of Jesus, but the Bible is very clear. There's one response. There's one proper, one true response. And if you don't respond that way, then it is bad news for you. All right? Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 3. Matthew chapter 13, verse 3, it says, And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. 
And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. So we have this guy, and he's sowing seeds. Now, I'm not talking about sowing with like a machine or knitting. We're talking about he's throwing the seeds left and right in the field so they can get planted and they can grow. That's what the sowing means. All right? Verse 4, And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Verse 5, Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He, he who has ears, let him hear. And I'll flip, flip over if you have to flip, and I want you to look at verse 18. This is Jesus explaining the parable. He says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So, in light of this parable, guys, you have to make sure that you have responded properly to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this proper response is to repent of your sin, to trust in Jesus, and to obey his commands. So Jesus says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So let's talk about the path. There were two primary ways that the farmers, that the sowers, would sow the seed back during Jesus' time. Now the first way, which was the, the, the better way to do it, the sower would grab the seed from the bag, from the sacks, and throw it left and right all through the field so that it would fall on the good soil and then it would be up and planted. But sometimes the wind would blow the seed and it would cause the seed to land all over the place on different kinds of soil, on the path, on the rocky and the thorny, whatever. The wind could blow it. Now there's a second way. This was the, the lazier way to do things. Is they would put the seed, the sacks of seed, on the donkey, and they would take a knife, and they'd just stab a hole in it, and they would send the donkey walking up and down the, the field. Now, usually, the, they would start on the path, and so when they stab the hole in it, the seeds start falling all over the path before it even gets to the field. So you have all of this seed that's fallen on this hard path. Now, the path was as hard as pavement is today. If you walk outside and you step on the pavement, it's hard. It's not soft. If you fall on it, it will hurt. The, the path would have been kind of hard like that from constant walking over it, from donkeys and horses and cattle and wagons and different things that are being taken over the path. You know, if you, if you, you know, go to the beach or you go somewhere where it's, it's 
muddy or, or whatever, there's dirt, and you just pack it down, it can get really hard. You know what I'm talking about? Imagine that, but just years and years and years of being walked on, so this ground is hard. It's this path. Well, the seed will fall on this path, and it would just lay there until the birds come and eat it. Because the seed falling on this hard path, it can't break the surface of the soil. It's too hard, so it doesn't go anywhere. It just stays there. It's wasted seed, and then the birds will come, and they'll eat it. Now this path, it represents someone who responds to the gospel of Jesus with absolute, complete unbelief. They're hardened to the message of the gospel. They don't want to hear anything about sin. They don't want to hear anything about the wrong they've done. They don't want to admit they've done anything wrong whatsoever at all. They're completely hardened to it. This person says, this person hears the message of the gospel and then there's nothing that happens after it. No change on them, no change of heart, no change of mind, nothing that goes on after that at all. And the Bible is very clear that in order for a person to be saved, they have to repent of their sin and trust in Jesus. There has to be something that happens after you hear it. There has to be a response, a true and proper response. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So the person hears the gospel, and then they respond with belief. They confess that he's Lord, and they believe in him. So the person that the path is representing is someone who just hears it and does nothing with it. They don't understand what they're hearing. They don't see their need for a savior. They've got closed minds. They're unteachable. They don't want to hear anything. Maybe you've met some people in your life that are unteachable. Maybe you have people, maybe you have a sibling that's so stubborn and unteachable. Maybe you are this person. Maybe you're the unteachable person. Someone who will never ever hear that they're wrong. Someone who just says, I'm always right. I'm never wrong. I don't want to be wrong. I can't be wrong. So don't tell me that I'm wrong because I'm not. That's this stubborn person. Someone who's always right about every little thing who will never accept the truth that they're wrong about something. This is an unteachable person, a person whose heart is so hardened and closed off to even the possibility that they could be wrong about something. And if you're not careful, you can be this person. You can be this person. We, last week we talked about the issue of self-righteousness. You can become a self-righteous person, someone who says, I'm right about everything. Everyone else is wrong. I don't want to hear that I'm wrong. I'm never going to be wrong about anything. I'm the best. I know everything. You don't know anything. Don't talk to me about these things. It's a pride problem. It's not a good place to be. You can be so prideful. You can be so sure that you are right that you hear the message of the gospel. You hear the good news of Jesus and you say, that's not me. I don't need this because I'm fine. Because I'm good enough on my own. Look at all the good things that I'm doing. Look at, all of the, look at all the people that I'm making happy. Look at the nice things. Look at the money I'm giving away. Look at all this. I'm doing great on my own. I am not a sinner. I don't need this. The person who responds that way is hardened. And the path represents that person. And look, it's so important that you pay attention to this parable today. Because it's possible, most likely, what's happening is Jesus is describing some of you. These soils, they represent responses to the gospel. There's four of them, and you might be. Most likely you are in the category of one of these responses. So it's possible that some of you are like the path that the seed fell on. You're closed off to the thought that you need a savior. 
Maybe you've heard this a million times. Maybe you've grown up in church, this one or a different one. Maybe you've heard the good news of Jesus over and over and over again, but you keep telling, you just keep thinking, I'm good. I don't need this, whatever. Or maybe you've said, sure, check the box. I believe this. And then you move on like nothing ever happened. Some of you here might be thinking this is all stupid. Maybe you're thinking this is a waste of time. I'm only here because my parents make me come as soon as I can drive, as soon as I go to college, whatever. I'm out. I don't want this. I don't like this. I don't like small group. I don't want to apply it. I don't want this at all. If that's your attitude towards it, then you, you're being the person represented by the path the seed fell on. Maybe you're self-righteous. Maybe you're just so sure that you are always right about everything and you're not willing to hear anything different. Maybe you're so prideful that you just don't take corrections from anyone, including God and his word. Well, look, if this path describes you, point number one, you need to humbly admit your need for a savior. This is where it all starts. This is what you need to do. You need to humbly admit that you need a savior, that you are sinful. Admit that what the Bible says about you is true. That you need a Savior, that you're a sinner. And the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. So you've got to be humble. You've got to realize that your heart is hardened towards the correction of God and His Word. You need to believe this is true. You need to admit that you have a need for a Savior. Because look, this is the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one will go to the Father except through Him. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It's always going to be true. You can't say, this isn't true for me. I don't believe this. I'm fine. Because the truth is the truth. And it's always going to be true. You're not exempt from this. Regardless of your response, one day the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, and you need to be on the correct side of that. You understand that's saying, it's not saying that at some point everyone's going to get saved. It's saying that at some point everyone's going to realize the truth, but for some it's going to be too late. So you need to humbly admit your need for a Savior. Jesus continues his parable. He talks about another kind of soil, and it's another negative kind of soil. This soil represents someone who responds to the gospel in another improper, not good way. Jesus says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while And when tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the word, immediately he falls away. Sometimes the seed would fall on rocky ground. Now this doesn't mean that it would fall on to ground that is covered with stones and rocks. What this means is that there was good soil on top, but a couple of inches, maybe a foot, maybe something like that, down, is just a thick slab of stone. Usually it was something like limestone. So the seed would fall on the good soil, it would go down, and it would start to grow, it would start to germinate, that's a science word, right? It would start to grow, and it would hit that rock, and, and it was like, it was warm, it's a good place for a seed to be, because the rock is, is holding up the heat from the scorching sun, it's a nice place for the seed to grow, so it shoots up, it grows quick, and it gets out, it breaks the ground, and it grows big, and everything looks great. But then the sun is so hot, it scorches the plant, and because the plant has no roots, 
It dies. It withers away and dies. This, the stone is blocking the plant from digging its roots down and finding water and finding nutrients down in the soil. So everything looks great for a time and the sun gets too hot and then it dies because it's not connected to anything. There's no root there. Well, this rocky ground, it represents someone who hears the good news of Jesus and very quickly they get excited about it and they say, oh, I believe this, I like this, this sounds great, I, I, want, I want to follow Jesus, this is awesome, this is great. But then they don't actually think through what it means to follow him. So they respond with excitement. Yes, this sounds great. I want to do this, but they're not thinking about it. And then when life gets hard, because of their profession, when people start to make fun of them because they're a Christian, because they say they're a Christian, that's whenever they say, whoa, whoa, I can't take this pressure. I can't take this heat coming at me. This isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I thought Christianity was. I didn't understand it at the time. I actually don't believe this. I don't want anything to do with it. And then they turn away. They get excited about things, and it gets hard, and they stop. Maybe you know someone who is always seeming to pick up a new hobby. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe you're this person. I don't know. So, so maybe, um, maybe you've met somebody who's decided they're going to play the guitar. Say, so, oh, yeah, I got a guitar. My parents bought me a guitar. I'm going to play this guitar. It's going to be awesome. And then a couple weeks go by, and you ask your friend, hey, how's it going on the guitar? And they go, oh, I, I quit. Like, what? why'd you quit? Your parents bought you a guitar. It's a nice, what'd you quit for? Because it hurt my fingers, the pushing the strings down. I didn't like that. I couldn't, just didn't like it. So I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. But then my parents decided to get me a piano. I really want to learn the piano. It's not, it's not as hard as the guitar. It, it'll be a little bit easier. It's, it's more my speed, so I'll do that. And then they're all excited about the piano for a couple weeks. And then you ask them later, hey, how's the piano going? Oh, actually, no, I, I, I'm not going to learn that either. Just, it, like, it, it wasn't hard. It was just learning the music was hard. I just didn't really like it. So I just, no, I'm not doing that either. But, but, but I, I, it's, it's lacrosse season, and my parents bought me some lacrosse gear. So I'm going to go play. I'm going to play lacrosse. I'm going to go have fun. We're going to do that. And then a couple weeks go by, and you're like, hey, how's lacrosse? And they're like, uh, actually, it was real. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. They were hitting me, they were hitting me with the sticks, and I just, not fun. I, so I'm not doing that anymore. But then, and there's always something else. They get excited about something. They're like, oh, this is great. I want to do this. It's going to be awesome. But then when they realize it's a little bit difficult, they say, oh, actually, no, that's not for me. People can respond to the gospel this way happens all the time, where someone gets all excited about Jesus. He says, this is great. This is awesome. Uh, they, they, they hear the gospel. They realize they have to believe. Maybe, maybe they go, oh, I don't want to go to hell. Hell's a bad place, so uh, I'm, I'm going I'm to believe in Jesus so I can go to heaven. And they get excited about it. Like, yeah, this is great. This is awesome. But then, because they didn't think through what it means to really follow Jesus, they're, maybe they're reading the Bible, and they read things like, about repentance, but you need to hate your sin. They read hard things like, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. They read things where Jesus says, I came to bring a sword and divide families. And they're going, wait a minute, this doesn't sound like what I thought it was. This doesn't sound like sunshine and rainbows. It doesn't sound like it's going to be great all the time. I don't know if I really like this. And then this person says, you know, my friends have started to be weird around me. 
They started to like treat me different. They tell me that I'm weird for believing this. They tell me that I'm weird for, for, for this and I don't like this. I don't want to do this anymore. I, think, I don't think I believe this. This isn't really what I thought it was. I'm, I, I didn't sign up for this. So shortly after this person became so excited about Jesus, they decided, actually, I don't believe this because I don't like the hardships that are coming. That's the person that the rocky soil, the rocky ground is describing. So here's point number two. You need to beware an emotional response to the gospel. Beware, you've you've seen like the beware of dog signs. When you see that sign, what what do you think? Oh, there's a dog back there. I don't want to go. I need to watch out. Beware means look out for something. Be aware of something. You need to be aware of this kind of response to the good news of Jesus. So what what does this look like? All right, here, I'll give you an example of someone in my life that had this response to the gospel. When I was in high school, a little bit older than you guys, I went to church camp. And uh, I'll be honest, uh, the church camp that I went to growing up was, was cool, but it has nothing on revival, so you should sign up for revival. The last plug I'll put about revival today. Well, uh, there was this, this young man, a couple years younger than me, who came to church camp with my youth group. And we were all glad that he was coming. Um, we didn't really know why he signed up, but we were glad because this kid, let's just say he was into doing things that are not legal, that he can go to jail for. So, he comes on this church camp. There's one night where we're, do, we're singing songs and the pastor is preaching and people are crying. And, you know, just this, this weird emotional night and, and this young man starts to cry. So we go to small groups and he starts telling everybody like, I, I feel so guilty about the wrongs that I'm doing and this is, I, I know that I've been wrong and my parents are ashamed of me and God doesn't like this and I don't want to do this anymore. And so I'm going to believe in Jesus tonight and I'm going to, I'm going to trust in him. And so he said that he did. And we were you know, happy about it, of course, because it's a cool thing that you think is happening. And we went home, camp was over, and this young man starts to tell his friends about what happened. Went to camp and I believe in Jesus now. And his friends were like, dude, are you dumb? If you believe in Jesus, then you can't do all the stuff that we like to do on the weekends. And he's like, yeah, but... But, G, but G, I like G, Jesus is good. I'm going to stick with Jesus. And then weeks go by, a month goes by, of his friends just constantly just making fun of him, telling him that he's wrong, telling him that he's dumb. And he starts to realize how much he actually enjoys doing those things that aren't legal. And he starts to really wish that he could. And he doesn't understand why he can't do it and why Jesus doesn't want him to have any fun. Things like that. And all of a sudden, this young man decides... Actually, I don't believe this anymore at all. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't, I don't believe this. I'm going to go back to living my life of doing things that are not right, things that are illegal. He got excited about it. He had this emotional response. Didn't understand what being a Christian actually means. Didn't understand the things that he had to give up. So ultimately, he decided that he's not a Christian at all. And he stopped walking with Jesus entirely. Maybe you've had a similar situation. Maybe you've had a similar experience to this. Maybe you went to Revival last year. You went to winter camp and you had this big emotional night where you're crying and you just don't understand what's happening and then you pray to believe in Jesus. But but now, months after, you're thinking, wait a minute, what is the deal? This isn't what I thought it was. Things aren't great 
like I thought it was supposed to be. Times are getting a little bit hard. My friends are acting weird around me. People are making fun of me, and I don't like this. You've got to be careful that your response to the good news of Jesus was not some emotional response. Maybe you just saw people around you that were all making this decision together, and you thought, oh, they're all doing it, so I'm going to do it too. All my friends have done this. My parents keep telling me that I need to do this, so I'm going to do it too. Be careful with things like that because it's dangerous. There's a possibility that you might have responded just emotionally. You need to understand that this is not the right response. And the issue with this emotional response is the Bible says that this person has no root. You're not root, just like the plant did not have roots in the ground and getting nutrients from what it, getting what it needed to survive. The person who responded emotionally to the good news of Jesus doesn't have their roots dug down into Jesus. And what I mean by that is you're not really reading the word of God. You're not spending time in prayer. You've got no foundation. You've got no roots in him. So then when times get hard, you get scorched by the sun just like the plant did. So you've got to be careful. You've got to hold fast to Jesus when times are hard. You've got to be careful that you did not respond to the good news of Jesus with some emotional response. Now look, I hope that that makes sense. I just, I just want you to think about, I want you to think about, when did you become a Christian? Was there a moment? Was it a season of life? Can you think about the moment? And just think was it genuine? How am I living right now? Did I, start to, did I start to walk away because things got a little bit harder than I thought it was going to be? Was it not what I expected? You just need to think about it. Because you might be one of these negative, might have had one of these negative responses to the gospel. Jesus, he has one more kind of negative response. One more before we get to the positive. He says, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Sometimes the seed would fall into soil that was actually good soil. It was actually the right spot for it to fall. And so it goes down, it gets nutrients, it gets roots, and it grows up. But it grows up and it starts getting mixed up with these thorny branches. You guys know what I'm talking about? Have you ever like lost a, a soccer ball or something in, in a bunch of thorns and you have to go get it out of the thorns? And it's like thick and it's hard to get and it hurts you and it's like the ball is stuck. You know what I'm talking about? You've been there before? Well, this plant would grow with these thorny vines, these, these thorny weeds, and it would get so caught up with all the thorns that it would just choke out and it would die because it can't grow properly because of these thorns. The soil with the thorns, it represents a person who hears the good news of Jesus. And they say that they believe it. But the distractions of worldly possessions, like money, like clothes, like, like, like your job, like something like that, is a big distraction and you start paying attention to those things more than you're paying attention to being obedient to Jesus. And pretty soon, you're not even thinking about Jesus at all anymore. You're just consumed with thoughts about earthly possessions. I want you to flip over to Matthew chapter 19. 
just six chapters over, Matthew chapter 19, there's a story that Jesus tells, and it really illustrates this problem of earthly possessions keeping you from trusting in Jesus. Matthew chapter 19, let's look at verses 16 through 22. It says, And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love the neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Verse 22. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So this rich young man, this rich young ruler, he comes to Jesus and he says, Hey, what do I have to do to go to heaven? Like, I just want to know. I want to go to heaven, so tell me what I have to do. So he's thinking wrongly about heaven, just like the, the Jews did back then. And Jesus says, do, yeah, do all these things. And he says, check, I've done it, I'm good. So we're already seeing some self-righteousness in this young man, where he thinks, I'm good, I do all these things perfectly, honor my mom and dad, check. Yeah, I'm good here, I'm good. So, so what else, Jesus, isn't there something else that I have to do? And Jesus says, okay, if you would be perfect... Go, sell all your possessions, and then give that money to the poor. And the response of this young man was that he walked away from Jesus, and he was sad. He couldn't do it. He couldn't obey because he loved his earthly possessions too much. He loved his money too much. He loved... Maybe his house too much, his clothes, his shoes. He loved it too much. He looked at all the money. He looked at all the riches. He looked at all the treasures that he had. And he, and he thought about, what would it be like if I did give this all away to follow Jesus? And he didn't like what he was thinking. He didn't like the thought of that. Because he loved these things too much. So he walks away from Jesus. And he's sad. Sometimes the things that the world offers you can seem better than obeying Jesus. There's times where the things that the world has to offer, and, the, and you're going to think, this is really, this is what I want. This is really what life is all about. This is what I need to have. This is what I need to get. That's what I'm going to focus on. And you direct your attention away from Jesus, away from obeying him, and onto whatever this earthly possession is. It could be things like the obvious one, money, or nice clothes, or nice shoes, or a car when you turn 16, or whatever material thing that you love too much. It could be other things like popularity. Maybe you just want to be popular. You want to have a lot of friends, so you're going to do whatever it takes to get these friends because you value that too much. Relationships, maybe it could be entertainment like TV, movies, the music you listen to, 
Maybe you love this stuff too much and it's distracting you from Jesus. Maybe it's your sport, your hobby, your instrument, your talent. Maybe you're just after fame and fortune. I don't know. But the world has all these things to offer. And the person who is represented by the thorny soil is someone who says that they love Jesus, but then they care too much about what the the world has to offer. Point number three, don't be deceived by what the world offers. Don't be deceived by what the world offers. Now look, is money bad in and of itself? No. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Okay? Sports, are those bad in and of themselves? No. I love sports. Sports can be a great thing. Whatever it is that you're interested in, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Now, if it, if it is obviously a sinful thing, if you're loving doing something that is clearly a sin, then you need to repent. You need to stop. But things like sports and friends and money and, and your job, those aren't sinful in and of themselves, but they can become such a big distraction from Jesus that then it becomes sinful, just like this rich young man. The church that I grew up at um, in Georgia, we had a, a pretty big auditorium. You know, we called it a sanctuary, like a good Baptist a sanctuary. And uh, we would have concerts all the time. These Christian artists would come, and we had this one guy come, and he was sharing his testimony, and his testimony went something like this. You know, he, was, he was a kid, he was raised in the church, and he, he was young, and he heard the gospel, and he said, I, 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 need, I need to get saved, and I need to get baptized. And so he prays this prayer after his pastor, oh Lord, I'm a sinner, you know, repeat after me, and he says the words, and, he, and then he goes and he gets baptized the next week, and he's like, good, I prayed the prayer, I got baptized, I'm going to heaven, everything's great. Well, then he starts to learn that he can play guitar and he can sing really well. And he's like, man, I, want, I love this. I want to make my career out of this. So he starts to sign up for shows and he's getting gigs as he's a teenager and he's getting older and he's getting all this money and people in the city that he's his hometown, they start to go, dude, you're really good at this. Like, you, you, need, you, need, really need, you need a record deal. You need to go. Like, take this out there. So he gets bigger and more popular, making more money, and he finally gets the record deal. He gets signed to a label. He's like, this is awesome. And he starts seeing all these paychecks come in. People are coming to his shows, and they're screaming for him because they love him. They're asking him, can I, can I get the chords to you? I want to learn the songs on my own. I want to, I want to do like, and he's like, oh, this is great. Well, pretty soon he starts to love the money and the fame a little bit too much. And he starts to direct his attention on, I need to get more money. I need to get more popular. I need more fans. I need more record deals. I need to put more albums. I need to do more and more and more because that's what's going to get me money. That's, I love this money. I love this stuff. He gets to the point where he is totally off track. Where he's not even thinking about God anymore. not even thinking about Jesus anymore because in his mind, he's thinking, oh, well, if I start to obey Jesus, then I can't have music anymore because Jesus doesn't want me to have any fun. You know, he's, he's sharing with us at this concert that he had all these misunderstandings about Jesus and what it means to be a Christian. Well, praise God, one day, um, God opened his eyes and he showed him that he needed to repent of his sin. So, he repented. He really put his trust in Jesus and redirected his life, and now he's doing Christian music, okay? Um, the, the point of the story, the point of his testimony was to say that he cared way too much about what the world offers. 
He was caring so much about it that everything he had learned about Jesus when he was a kid took the back seat. He didn't care anymore. All he wanted was fame and fortune and popularity and, and all that stuff that the world has to offer. And if you're not careful, you can become deceived by what the world offers. 1 John 2.15, write that verse reference down. 1 John 2.15, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 1 John 2.15 If you love what the world has to offer more than you love God, the Bible says that the love of the Father is not in you. If all you can pay attention to is what the world has to give you, and you're not paying attention to Jesus and obeying Him, that's not the place that you want to be. It's dangerous to be there. Because you might be like a person who is represented by this thorny soil. Now finally, Jesus, he talks about the good soil. He says, this is what you want. This is the response that you need to have if you want to get it right. He says, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. So he hears the word, he understands the word, and he indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. Now hopefully, as the sower is sowing seeds, that it's, the, the majority of it is landing on the good soil. And the majority of the soil is getting planted, the roots are growing deep, they're finding nourishment, and they're growing, and then they're bearing fruit. That's what you would hope out of a seed that you plant. This good soil, it represents someone who has an open mind, first of all. They are teachable. They're not too prideful. Someone who has an open mind to what the good news of Jesus is saying. And, and then they understand the good news of Jesus. They hear it and they understand it. And when they understand it, they repent of their sin, they put their trust in Jesus, and they begin to obey Him. They're bearing the fruit. The Bible talks about fruit that we have to bear. What's that called? Fruit of the Spirit. That's a proper response to the good news of Jesus. This is what Jesus is getting at with the, all of these different types of soil that you need to understand and obey the commands of Jesus. That's point four. Write it down. Understand and obey the commands of Jesus. You have to make sure that you have heard the gospel, that you understand it. I'm not just talking about you understand what happened, but you understand what a Christian does. You understand everything Jesus is asking of you. Understand that, yeah, you may lose friends. We call that counting the cost. You may lose friends. Life is going to get hard. You understand what Matthew chapter 7 says about the Christian life. And you say, yes, I repent of my sin. Jesus, I trust in you. And then obedience will flow. If your response to Jesus, if your belief is true, then obedience will follow. And you will be bearing the fruit that Christians should be bearing. This is the proper response that Jesus is talking about. This is the good soil. Now, if you have trusted in Jesus, if you have responded properly, 
then you need to keep doing that. Now, I'm not saying you have to keep getting saved over and over. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that every time you read the Word of God and God tells you to do something, you have to obey. Because even as Christians, we, we keep sinning, right? So there may be times where you are in a pattern of sin, where you're doing something wrong, and you read in God's Word that you have to repent. You can choose to say, I'm not going to repent because I like my sin. I'm not going to do it. You have to keep on responding to God's word properly. You have to keep on living a lifestyle of repentance. 1 John 2, 3 and 4, it says, And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So if you've repented, if you've put your trust in Jesus, you've got to keep obeying. You've got to keep on going. Keep obeying Jesus. You can never get to a point to where you think, I'm good. I've got nothing else to do. I've got nothing. I can't grow anymore. I'm done. You have to keep on obeying Jesus. So look, please don't make the mistake of hearing this parable and then going, wait a minute, I'm good. I've heard this a million times. I checked the box. Why am I here? I've done this. I know this. Everyone needs to think deeply and honestly about how you have responded to the good news of Jesus. And if your response is anything other than the the way that the good soil responds, then you're not safe. You understand? You haven't responded properly. So everyone has to be humble to think about this. And if you need to, you need to admit that you do have a need for a Savior, that you haven't actually trusted in Him. So which soil are you? Are you rejecting the gospel? Are you too prideful and arrogant and saying, I don't need any of this? Or maybe you've made an emotional response and, and, and it wasn't really genuine? Or maybe you're letting the world and the, what the world has to offer distract you from trusting in Him completely. It's my prayer, it's all of our leaders' prayers that you have responded the way of the fourth soil, that you have repented of your sin, that you've trusted in Jesus, and that you are bearing fruit. Let's pray. God, thank you for being so clear in your word about how we should respond to you, about how one is saved. Thank you, Jesus, that you have taken the punishment, the penalty for sin that I deserve, that you came and lived a perfect life and you died on the cross and you took the wrath of God in my place so that I could trust in you. God, that I could have a future inheritance in heaven with you. God, I pray that everyone here this morning has done that and if not, that today would be the day that they put their trust in you. God, help us to continue to be grateful for what you've done for us. Help us to continue to obey your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.